everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And uh, this is the second time we're recording this today, so it's going to be more unhinged than it was originally yeah, intended. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Like, usually, like, like we took, like, a pretty long break. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do it, like, immediately. But right. But now that, like, I'm refreshed, I'm ready to re-record. <laughs> I don't know what it is, like... We normally record, like, in the middle of the day, and now it's, like, the the evening time. The sun is setting. Yeah. And there's something about me. I'm not a night person or an evening person, but when I have to do something, I get wired. So I'm, like, <laughs> very awake right now. <laughs> yeah. We usually record right after lunch, after mm-hmm. we have D&D. Um, so this is different. This is very different. I mean, we did just play... We still just just played games, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, usually I've only ever, like, recorded at nighttime when I'm I'm guesting on other shows. Yeah. And all, everyone else's podcast is a nighttime podcast, but we <laughs> are early afternoon. Yeah. Well, like, I, I feel like I inherited that from, like, podcasting with like Josh and Dale because we started recording in the middle of the day really yeah they seem like they seem like night people I know I did record (laughs) with Dale at night for explain this book to me um like after we were Mm -hmm. both off work um but normally we recorded in the middle of the day on like a Saturday or a Sunday because we were all in different time zones yeah so that was just the only time that really (laughs) worked for everybody Um, so this episode is kind of going to be like a grab bag of things. Originally, we were going to be kind of pre-gaming Bad Batch. Um, we did rewatch the Bad Batch episodes from Clone Wars Season 7, but we both found that we didn't really have a whole lot to talk about with that. Um, so in our previous time when we recorded, we talked a lot about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We talked a lot about Shadow and Bone. So that's kind of what we're going to focus on here. We are going to still talk about Bad Batch. We're going to kind of... Talk about, like, what we're looking forward to, like, some fun things with that. Uh, But this is mostly going to be a Marvel and book-heavy episode, I would say. Yeah, Shadow and Bone. Yeah. As of this episode coming out, um, the new Thrawn Ascendancy book, The Greater Good, I believe is what it's called, will be out um, complete with another hot Thrawn cover exclusive edition, if that's your jam. Is that one also $150, like the previous one? I didn't see, but I assumed. Yeah. Yeah. That one has red pages instead of blue pages. I noticed. What does that mean? Uh, That it's going to be sexier. I don't think so. (laughs) I like The things that I've heard about this book, I don't think it's sexier. But... I I will let myself be surprised if it is. I I don't think it is, though. Yeah, we we mentioned this before, um, that we weren't sure if this book was going to stack up against the first one. Um, But I have still come on a journey with Thrawn because I did pre-order this book. And we will probably talk about it. Because I I think we're both going to try to to read this and see what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. So, also, we will finally be watching Chaos Walking, which feels like a figment of our imaginations. It's been talked about for so long, since, like, 2017. Is it real? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to find out. We're going to find out. By the time you guys are listening, we will have already watched yeah. it. 
I, for one, think that Daisy and Tom probably have bad chemistry. Yeah, I think so. Um, You said you saw people say that she has better chemistry with Mads Nicholson, right? Is it him? Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is something to take away from the books. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, like, Mayor Prentice is one of the best villains I've yeah, ever read. He he really is. He's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely terrifying. You want to talk about a villain that I don't really want to see redeemed? It's Mayor Prentice. But that's because he exists to be that dark side for Todd. Like mm-hmm. that's the point of him. Um and like Todd and Viola are like such a good ship. So it is a shame that apparently they don't have the best chemistry. We'll um, see. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm still excited for them. I think Todd I think Tom is going to be a great Todd regardless. Yeah. So It's just so weird to go back in time and see like baby Tom Holland. Yeah. Especially <laughs> after like, if you guys have been following us on Twitter throughout the summer especially, we were posting a lot about Tom Holland because he was just giving us so much content. Like just like him being like in a bathing suit in Spain off of a boat filming Uncharted. <laughs> like he got I, real big like for he was, Uncharted. He was, yeah, like, tank for Uncharted. Yeah. Like, that's a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they filmed this, like, a long time ago. Yeah. Like, before even Far From Home. They filmed in 2017. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And we talked about this before, too. Like, he's grown a lot as an actor, so it is going to be weird to see, like, this old old performance from both of them. Because they've both changed so much. they are both, like, have grown and improved in acting a lot since then. You know know who else we'll be seeing in this movie? Uh, Nick Jonas. (laughs) Yeah, Nick Jonas. I keep forgetting he's in this movie. He has that weird um, cut, like, the haircut. Yeah, he's got a strange haircut. He's got a big neck. I never would have imagined him cast as Davy Prentice. Yeah, I, he was always like a whinier character to me. Yeah, in the books. He's a he's a Draco Malfoy kind of character. Yeah, like, that's just how he is. And now we're getting this like beefy, thick neck <laughs> Jonas brother. Yeah, I'm really wondering how the film's going to be structured because everybody I've seen has said that it's like nothing like the book, which is good. Mm-hmm. But it does make me wonder, like, how things are going to be different, how they're going to structure things. So, like, I'm, I'm excited to finally watch it because I, I do want to know how it's going to be. Because it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing series. So, another little thing that will be um, happening this week on April 30th. Everybody get ready because Taylor Swift... It's dropping her third album in the Folklore Evermore trilogy. Okay, like, guys, like... It, it might not be happening, but, like, Shannon and I are fully, like, believers. We're on this train. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not even, like, putting clown makeup on. Like, that's how much I'm confident. Yeah. No, I, I was not really paying any attention to it. And then the more theories that I saw, like, recently. come across on TikTok recently. Yeah. yeah I'm, like, it... I feel like something's going to happen. And then there's that... So there's... Someone posted recently on TikTok a video right after Evermore where she was kind of like, no, like, after I finished writing Evermore, like, it felt... I forget what word she used. 
But it didn't, like, it didn't seem as final as people are making it out to be, like, that Mm. interview. Because, like, I remember it when it came out and accepting at that moment that she was done. And I was like, there's no third album. Back then when I saw the interview. And then I saw it again today. And it just, something about it. There was never, like, any conclusion. Like, it was like they... They went out and did what they wanted to do, but at the same time, it kind of felt like, hmm, like maybe there there is the third album. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people have said now that the third album would be Rebirth. So we had yeah. like the hurting, the healing, the rebirth. And you yeah. mentioned just before we started recording this, because you were listening to Evermore the song, like that is like hope and healing within a song. Oh, I think it's all three within the song. It's the yeah. hurting, then the healing, and then at the very end of that song yeah. is the rebirth. Like, the very last few lines they are very hopeful. So, it, like, and that that's the title track of Evermore. It's the last track. So, like, I feel like it's not very conclusive. Like, it feels like she, she almost doesn't finish a sentence at yeah. the end of Evermore. Like, well, it really... I don't, I don't know if, you, like, I'm sure you've probably done this. If you listen to, like, it on a loop and then it goes into Willow, it mm-hmm. transitions perfectly into Willow. Yeah, it does. And, like, that to me, since, like, Willow and Cardigan are, like, the, the big tracks, to me, it almost seems like it would bleed perfectly into whatever the third album's, you know, big track would yeah. be. Have you ever listened to Folklore into Evermore? Ho- Hoax into Willow doesn't really... Okay. It it kind of does, but like Hoax is such a weird song to end on. I wonder if the lakes into Willow hits different. Oh. I haven't done that. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Cuz I Hoax is a weird ending song for folklore. Like I like it. It's just mm-hmm. it is a hurting song. Like it's a hurting song. It's very different from like Evermore. Yeah, Evermore, like, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, this is kind of a happy song. She's she's mourning something, but then she, they're able to, like, the two people singing in the song are able to grow together and actually come out the other side. Like, it's not a breakup song, like, at all. No, yeah, it's, it's, ho- it's a hopeful song. It, mm-hmm. the last verse of it is so, like, when she says this this pain wouldn't be forevermore, like, that is, that's, like, lightning in a bottle. Like, that is catharsis. Like, that is yeah. healing. It's magic. Oh, my gosh. So, like, I think that Woodvale is coming. I don't 100% believe it's called Woodvale, but I'll call it that until we get yeah. a real name for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, the there's been TikToks saying that it's going to be, like, more water-themed and, mm-hmm. like, oh, man. I'm not ready. Like, I've been listening to Evermore a lot this weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, hitting me that, like, I'm not ready to let go of Evermore at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. After we talked the first time, because we kind of said that, like, I'm more of a folklore and, like, you're more of an Evermore. I actually listened to folklore twice through. I was, like, re- playing with my bookshelves and, <laughs> like, rearranging them. <laughs> I had it on shuffle, though, so it wasn't, like, straight through, straight through. But it's so interesting to listen to it again after, like, all the theorizing that's been going on and, like, the way it and Evermore fits together 
works so well. And like now, I don't know if I'm just crazy, but I do feel like it's incomplete because we need that third chapter. The catharsis. Yeah. The catharsis that you get only in the last verse of Evermore. Like, mm. you need a whole album of that. Yeah. And we, <laughs> Alex pointed this out the first time we recorded. Um, this can definitely be a Taylor Swift podcast because we are lipstick and lightsabers. Yeah. So, so the lipstick part is Taylor. <laughs> it's a reference to Taylor. It's Taylor and uh, Star Wars. So, I mean, if you're not a Swifty, you should be. It, it improves your quality of life. Like, let me just say. Yeah. Like, you know, like, reputation and evermore for me, like, they're ways of life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I, those albums are both therapy and the reason I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, like, it's great. Like, I, I definitely, like, joined the mainstream, kind of, like, fell off the ba- bandwagon for Taylor Swift. And, like, ever since, like, Alex got me back into it, like, I feel like I've just been, like, so much happier. Like, <laughs> I discovered our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. I've been born again. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just it's just a magical time. And if nothing happens on April 30th, that doesn't mean that it's not coming. It just means the dates yeah. were wrong. <laughs> I've seen some people think that it's Evermore Long Pond Sessions, which doesn't match the clues to me. I'm no. sorry, guys. I really want that. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I need it. Can you, but okay, I don't think like, it's that. Her singing Champagne Problems. At like, Long Pond. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> like, ooh. Especially that's... since the Long Pond versions of the folklore songs. Different ones are my favorites from mm-hmm. the album. The, yeah. She sings She sings on them way sadder. She sings August a lot happier, too. Yeah. Which is what's interesting. August is happy. The one is sad. The (laughs) The one one is way sadder. And, like, here's the thing. The one is, like, one of my favorites off of Folklore. I love that one. I just... Yeah. It's it's like every ship we like. It really is. (laughs) Moving in to some uh, more meteor topics. We did get the finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And... Mm -hmm. Largely, the response has been kind of mixed, and I I came away from the episode liking it a little bit more than Alex did, but Alex has some, like, really good points about this finale. Okay, so I personally think they did an awesome job on the characterization of Sam and Bucky in the finale. Both of them had really strong character moments, but I think the rest of the episode was sort of a mess, and... The, this sh- the whole show just needed one more round of edits, I think. It needed ironing out. Maybe less characters. I, for one, I like Zemo, but I think he took away from Sam in episode three, I think it was. Sam felt like he took a backseat to Zemo. Yeah. And other things like Sharon Carter, we're going to go into spoilers here. I don't think the writers wrote any of the women well. And I don't know if there were any women in the writer's room. I'm I'm not sure if there were, but it didn't feel like there were. I didn't think about this till now, but I think the only women that we see straight up interact that's not kind of like, you know, and in the background or whatever is when Sharon confronts Carly because she's the power broker. And to me, it came off very much like checking the box to pass the um the Bechtel test. It it like is mm-hmm. just like checking that Bechtel test box, which just felt a little bit strange. 
And like, like with Zemo, he's really only part of Bucky's story. Like he, he does close a chapter like on Bucky, which is good, but it never intermingles with Sam the way Sam's family intermingles with Bucky's story. And like, I agree. I think that they either needed like an extra episode to wrap everything up or some things could have been pared down. Like we talked about having John Walker as part of the fight scenes felt really weird. Like, he should have just been revealed as U.S. agent and, like, not been in the fight. And with that time that you gain, Mm -hmm. you could have not killed Carly and, like, really wrapped up her story, like, with the senators. It didn't feel right that he went back to kind of being a good guy for the most of the finale. Mm -hmm. Um like you said, he did. He shouldn't have been there. And then we we should have had that scene where he was U.S. agent at the end. Yes, like hundred percent. Why were we focusing on him in the fight? It was Sam and Bucky's fight, mostly Sam's fight. Mm-hmm. Should have been on them. Then, like you said, it would have given the opportunity to keep Carly alive. Like she could have still gotten pretty injured, but she would have been taken away in an ambulance, and she would have been tended to. But she like. We said Sam should have been the mediator between her and the senators rather than him speaking for her because she was dead. Yeah. Well, and that left, they martyred her. So like, that's not an, that's not an end for like an organization like the Flag Smashers because, you know, that was part of their ideology that like it would live beyond them and like her death would be meaningful so then they have that weird scene where, like, Zemo blows them all up, which I didn't like. Like, if she had been alive, yeah. like, Sam would have forced the senators to listen to her. Like, not, like, in a, like, a forceful, like, you know, I'm going to kill you if you don't or whatever. But, like, yeah. he would have given that. speaker. Yeah. Like, they would have, yeah. Well, he's, you I... know, he's a therapist. Like, mm-hmm. it, it would have, it would have been amazing. He would have given them that opportunity. She could have worked with them. And then, like you said before like Aaron Kellyman in Marvel like in the MCU like leave that door open like she's yeah. amazing i she did not need to die at all so i have to say um i don't know if the imdb writing credits are fully here maybe there were other writers on the series but here's all men mm. Which isn't surprising. Like, I, I feel like that reveals itself the most in Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Sharon could have been anybody. Like, it, she didn't feel like Sharon Carter, really. It well, didn't... like I said, um, she kind of she kind of felt like the token woman. Like, yeah. she, like they, they put her in there because they're like, we need a woman in this show where people are going to complain. Yeah, and then they gave her a bunch of girl boss moments. Like... Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Sort of frustrating. Yeah. Too many too many characters made a lot of characters suffer, I think. Yeah. And, and I think, like, what they needed... They, they accomplished what they set out to do. I, I think they told a really yeah. good, provocative story. I do think they walked it back a little bit because they showed John kind of being a oh, good guy. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't know why that had to happen. Yeah. They... They would like they would have still gotten Bucky and Sam through the fight. Well, it almost him. makes me confused because like I know U.S. Agent's supposed to be like a villain and like he's working for Hydra, but like because of that scene, I'm like, okay, so is he a good guy now? 
Yeah, like, like Valentina is like Madame Hydra, isn't she? Yeah. Like from the comics. It's it's confusing. Yeah. I, I don't know what the point of him fighting yeah. the good fight there. Like I mean, on the other hand though, like we said, they did a really good job with Bucky and Sam's story. Um mm-hmm. you had mentioned this before, like not ever really caring about like the title of Captain America. But this show does really drive home like what it means to be Captain America. And like we're both like fully invested in like Sam and like what they built up with him based on his speech in this episode. It was so well done. Yeah, like to go into what you meant about not being invested in Captain America, the title. Yeah. Because I think I've always like liked Steve Rogers. Like the person that he's portraying like when you see him as, as himself but I've never cared about the actual title of Captain America. I'm just like, whatever, like, mm-hmm. cool. He has a hot suit in Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. But, like, in this show, they really, like, bring it full circle to show you, like, who Captain America is and who Sam is bringing to the Captain America title. And it makes me care about the title and it makes me care that Sam is taking the title. Yeah. Well, and it shows that you don't have to have cool superpowers. You don't have to be a white man. You don't have to be like all of these things to be Captain America. Yeah. He's just Sam Wilson. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And they showed that with his nephews, like, reaching out to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, it's so important. And and I do Mm -hmm. think that the Phase 4 heroes are setting that up. Like, we're because we're going to get, like, more Captain Marvel, too. And her and Maria Rambo, like, that is so important. Like, you know, that was her role model as, like, a little girl. And I think there's... uh, Monica. Monica Rambo, yes, not Marie, that's the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Monica Rambo, like, that was so important of a relationship. So I think they're really setting that up. And, like, we don't really see that too much, like, with WandaVision, or probably not with Loki either, but definitely with our big bad Captain America here. And, you know, like, with Hawkeye, like, that mantle's being passed down to his daughter. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about who these stories are supposed to be for. And, like, it, they can inspire anybody, but it really is for the kids, you know, to be able to look up to these people and be, see themselves as these heroes. Do you think Black Widow is going to do that, too? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what Black Widow is going to do. I thought, though, Jack Schaefer is work, is is on the writing team for Black Widow. Mm, yeah. I think so. Which is good. Yeah. She did a good job with WandaVision. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm definitely not writing it off. Um, yeah. I, I like Florence Pugh, so, like, she's going to be cool. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know what to think of Widow, but we'll get there. I'm sure we'll we'll probably talk about it on the show. Yeah, whenever we finally get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly hopeful for Phase 4 Marvel, like, especially with what they did with Sam Wilson, like... I feel very hopeful and comfortable with what Marvel's doing, and I like that. I I like that they seem to know what they're doing for the most part. Like, yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a little bit rough, but overall, I I think that they've got some really good ideas. All right, so let's actually talk about Shadow and Bone next, and we'll finish up with um, who is our favorite Bad Batch member (laughs) as a good closer there. So Mm -hmm. we got Shadow and Bone. The whole thing dropped this past Friday, so it's only been out for about a weekend. 
Um, both of us have watched the entire thing. I didn't mean to watch it all in a day. It just kind of yeah, happened. <laughs> you like you were like, I'm gonna watch one episode. I don't have time for this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, like, I might. Well, let's see what happens. And I only yeah. watched four episodes, which right. is still like a lot. Like it's yeah. still. But you were just like, I'm, I'm busting through these. It just kind was of it Barnes. I like I don't what know. was it? I actually really enjoyed the show. And yeah. I, I've gone back and forth on whether I think it's good that I read the books or I wish I hadn't read the books because I definitely think I enjoyed some parts of it because I kind of knew a little bit more about the lore. And other parts of it I feel like I drugged down because, like, I didn't like it from the book, so I made myself, like, not like it in the show kind of thing. But overall, like, this is probably the best adapted show I've ever seen. Like, especially YA fantasy. YA fantasy, yeah. Uh, the casting is amazing. Costume, amazing. Sets, amazing. Effects, amazing. Like, they did such a spectacular job. Like, this is the care we want to see when it comes to adaptations. Like, there's yeah. no excuse anymore to, like, half-ass it and have weird adaptations. Like, the the book is always better. Now that can be a question. Maybe yeah, not. I, like, I hope, like, I, I hope that all of the streaming services that have adaptations in pre-production right now are, like, crapping their pants right now because they have this standard to live up to. Yeah. Because they're, they see Shadow and Bone over at Hulu. They have a Court of Thorns and Roses, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. They're crapping their pants right now over this. And I've said to you, I think... A Court of Thorns and Roses can be easily messed up. And I yeah. think th- uh, Throne of Glass would be the better choice. Well, Throne of adapt- Glass... And, like, here's the thing that you kind of mentioned before, too. Like, because when you were saying before how um, with Shadow and Bone, like, when there were things that, like, you weren't as interested in, there were other plots and, like, other characters. Yeah. Throne Same of Glass Throne is of a... Glass. Yeah, it's an ensemble thing. Yeah, where... The Court of Thorns and Roses is not. Yeah. You could make it an ensemble, but it doesn't, it slowly becomes that. Yeah, it it totally does. It slowly becomes that. But, like, if you're going to do one book, one season, Mm -hmm. that first book is is all Farrah. Yeah. Which, to be honest, they kind of did do that with Shadow and Bone because the trilogy builds to become an ensemble. And that's why when it's over, she's able to, like, branch out and do these other series that interconnect. But I do really think adding the crows in was really good. Because, like, in the books, it takes place a few years after, so the timelines don't add up. They don't do the Six of Crows story. They just take Kaz, Inej, and Jesper and their backstories, and they put them alongside, and it works really well. And then you also get to see the introduction of Nina and Matthias, which is flashbacks in Six of Crows, and that is a highlight. I love all of their scenes. (laughs) (laughs) I like them, too. They remind me of Reed and Lou from Serpent and Dove. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, they walked so Reed and Lou could run. Like, no joke. It just you you present me with a witch and a witch hunter. You present me with this like super, you know, like proper man who's falling in love with this heathen girl. Like Yeah. Best like, thing. 
I like screamed to you when I got to that scene where he says, "You're loud, you're lewd, you're treacherous." Uh. <laughs> that was like, like besides some of the like dark Lena stuff, which is incredible. Yeah, like that was my favorite moment in the show when he calls her treacherous. <sighs> oh my god! Oh, that's it's just so so good, and I just like, I I love this because. With their backstory, which is what you get to see in the show, it is them kind of coming together and then they're forced apart again. And Six of Crows is Matthias and Nina falling back in love with each other. It's so good. It's so good. Really? Falling back in love with each other? Yeah, because at the end, he thinks that she betrayed him. Yeah. He's he's big mad. And the prison that he's going to is very bad. Like, very, very bad. Mm-hmm. He's going to go but through some stuff. It's it's good that they told it in a linear way yeah. here. I, I like that a lot. I, I think in the next season, if they keep going with the crows alongside, then the, I think the crows are going to help Nina break him out. Because I think Nina's going to start working with them and be like, hey, I'll work with you if you help me break out Matthias. Yeah. Because that's what happens in Six of Crows. She's already working with Kaz and everything. And they need muscle, so they break him out. And I, I think that that could easily be woven into a season two. Cool. And then, of course, also Cash and Inej, so good. They're yeah, I really like them, and I like Jesper too. Jesper's I like the so three cute. of them a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and we talked about this. Jesper does have an end game ship. We have not met him yet, but he is the I'm babyest. Excited. Oh, I'm really excited. I love Wylan. He is so cute. He's the cutest. Like you saw how you saw that cute, adorable goat. Like that's that's Wylan. He's this cute, oh. adorable goat that blows things Aww. up and can't read. Like <laughs> uh, I really like Kaz. I yeah. love Sinej. Like Kaz. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> well, like, I I recommended this to you, but I I will say if you watch the show and you liked it, I would not recommend the books. You're just gonna be disappointed by the trilogy, but. I do recommend Six of Crows. It is very good. I would say you should spoil yourself for Crooked Kingdom. Because um, for the most part, it's good. But there is one glaring thing that's not great. Um, but Six of Crows is very good. And if you liked the crows in the show, you'll love you'll love the book. <laughs> I would love to hear we talk about these choices. Like, not the Dark Lena. But, I mean, this, this like, big thing that happens in Crooked Kingdom that you hate. Like, does she have an explanation to why she did that? I don't know. I haven't really sought out, like, her interviews or anything, but when I read it, I think it's because she wanted it to be realistic, and in order to be realistic, somebody had to die. So she just (laughs) picked someone. I think she just picked someone. Out of the hat, she threw everyone in the hat and was like, whoever I pick is going to be the one. Yeah, because it's it's a really random death. It's not explained. They just kind of die really quickly. And it's it's very, like, if this was a realistic thing, sure, it could happen. But it's fantasy. So I would love some explanation. It's and a fairy tale. Yeah. Like, give me well, happily ever after. Well, like, like, I even told, like, we have a friend who just read them. And I, I told her what was going to happen. And so she, she read it. And then she came to me and she was like, yeah, it was random. Like, it didn't, there was no lead up. It just happens. And yeah. it frees up for later there to be different love interests, which is fine. But, like, I, 
that would have been a perfect duology. It could have had a perfect happily ever after, but for that one thing, which is so upsetting. I guess, like, there are other characters in her head that she wanted to bring in, but, like, other characters could have been brought in anyways, or in a new series if she's going to write more stuff down the line, or, like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, though, and... We're kind of dancing around this, so, like, I'm just going to spoil the books for everybody. <laughs> so, Matthias dies in Crooked Kingdom, and it, it it's really uh, it's really upsetting. I don't, I, I don't like it. I don't understand it. But in King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, which is kind of, like, the ending for the Grishaverse, Nina has a new love interest. Like, Nina spends those books in Fierda, um, kind of being a spy, doing her own thing. And, like, here's the thing... That plotline does not need to be there. It, it doesn't. I feel like it exists to, like, Nina gets to mourn and she gets her happy ending. But, like, it doesn't need to exist. It complicates the books. It takes away from Nikolai and Zoya. So, like, if Matthias had lived and, like, that was it for him and Nina, it would have been fine. Like, it still would have been fine. It still would have worked. She could have introduced that character in a different way. Um, I just think it's a weird choice. I don't know why she did it. Hmm. Uh, and speaking of weird choices, so I think everybody knows this by now, but um, Dark Lena is not in game. That's not the way things go. In my head, it is. It will always be. After I, so like before I even started this series, like I mean, I got onto Twitter on Friday, and I was used to getting onto Twitter and seeing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. My entire timeline was Shadow and Bone. I like started watching a video, and and I realized I was just gonna see the dark the dark lena kiss and i paused it i was like do i want to see this <laughs> it was like four seconds in and i was like do i want to see this and i told you and i'm like i just saw this i know and i was and like, you're like can i me. see it and then i sent it to you and then and then i'm like okay i'm just gonna watch it i can't do this and oh boy that kiss it's that so kiss, it's so that good kiss is like what dreams are made of literally like that is like iconic yeah no i that if if ray had, <laughs> if ray and ben had kissed in the throne room that's what it, it would have been. been like that that's it what it would have been, been. Like that's exactly what wow. it would have been it's wow. just uh, ben barnes loves the darkling and here's the thing so much yeah like, so much so much like he he believes in him he believes in redemption like he truly understands this character the bad thing is is that the author of the books miss lee bardugo hates this character (laughs) and i like it's probably because i think she has like a weird hang up with him i think it's like a trauma response the way that she's written him which you know she should sort that out herself but like ben barnes clearly took this character and was like I know exactly, like, this what this is, is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And he delivers that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, this is a man who has been in big franchises. Like, he's in Marvel. He's in The Punisher. He's in Westworld. Mm-hmm. He's in Prince. He is Prince Caspian. <laughs> and he, I've, like, I mean, I haven't really, like, followed his career, but, like, the way he talks about the Darkling, it's, like, his baby. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, the role he was made for. And I said to you, in an alternate universe, what if he was Kylo Ren? And I said, whew, oh, boy. 
Like, I, I would, l- listen, no shade to Adam Driver, but man. <laughs> you know that Last Jedi press tour with Benjamin Barnes. Being asked about Raylo. Like, I mean, have he you... He would, like, oh. full on, like, he would, him and Ryan would just be, like, giggling. in this pit, like, giggling about Raylo. Yeah. He would have done every press thing he, possible. He would have fed the Raylos so well. Yeah. Because that's what, I mean, that's what he's doing with Dark Lena. Like, and there would never have been a question in 2018 if Raylo is going to be endgame. Like, like, like... Ben Barnes would be like, it's Endgame if you wanted to be. Like, I'm playing it romantically. Yeah, he's like, I am playing it romantically. You can take it this way. And, like, honestly, part of me is kind of like, I wish he hadn't have gone so hard because I knew the turn was coming. But another part of me is like, thank God he went so hard because he knows. He's a gift. Yeah. He's a gift. He knows. Like, I'm like, I'm, am I okay with, like, the way his character is going, not necessarily, but I'm, like, staying on for the ride because yeah. Ben Barnes is so charismatic and he, like, is so passionate. He's so, like, he's putting his all into this character and it's wonderful. Ben Barnes is beautiful. A gorgeous specimen of a human being. His, <laughs> his chemistry with Jesse, who plays yeah. Elena... Like, oh my ooh. gosh. And you know that Jessie used to have a Prince Caspian poster on her wall? Uh, her telling that story is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, oh and then gosh. he, like, brings the sword out. Like, it's so funny. I, I love just, them. <laughs> I love them. This cast is so pure. I love this cast so much. Like, it's just so well done. And, like, it does honestly give me hope. Like, the fact that he's playing it this way and that he was allowed to play this way... I do wonder if there is going to be some hope for Darkling, Darklina kind of thing. I think as long as Lee is on board, it's going to stay pretty true to the way that the arcs go in the book. But I could see them playing around with letting Alina fall in a little bit more to that dark side. Um, in the second book, her and the Darkling have a little bit of a, of a force connection, um, which is great all of those scenes are amazing and i think the way jesse plays alina it's gonna be more romantic um than it is in the books and like i honestly i'm here for that like even if the ship doesn't go the way that like we all want it to i think the way that they play it it's gonna be very much exile the one champagne problems you know oh <laughs> like it's yeah Oh, man. I already saw an Exile edit for Dark Lina, so. Yeah. I, like, can I just circle back to the kiss for a second? Of so, course. like, they, like, make out on the, like, um, the war table, and then they get interrupted, and, like, Ben, like, the Darkling, Alexander, like, gets up to, like, answer the person who's there, and then, like, he comes back, and because he has to leave. He comes back and he's like, I have to go, blah, 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 you stay here. And he's headed out the door. And then he turns around and kisses her again and then leaves. And Ben Barnes improvised that. Yup. Yup. Like. That touch, like, I mean. (laughs) 
I just like, I have to wonder if in Lee's mind, she just sees it all as manipulation and not as sincere. And like, he's playing it so sincere. Ben Barnes is playing it sincere. Yeah. He is in love. Like that scene where Alina is, is showing off her, her light power Mm -hmm. to the queen. And he, like everyone's looking at her power and he is looking directly at her. He is the only one who is ever looking directly at her. Like, he, it's the, he's doing the good, like, micro-acting that Adam Driver does when he looks at Daisy yeah. in the Raylo scenes. <sighs> Here's the thing, too. So, like, he's always, <laughs> look, from the moment he sees Alina, he is always looking right at her, no matter what is happening. And mm-hmm. there is a line from Mal, who is the actual in-game ship, where he says, I'm sorry it took me so long to see you. Like, it's just, and we talked about this, show Mal is not that bad. I think I still have hangups on him just because of the books. He's horrible in those books. I'm, like, super on board with them being platonic OTP. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think that they're, like, they transcend, like, being friends. Like, they're, they're, like, soulmate, platonic soulmates. Yeah. Like, and I, tr- and I, like, support that if Lee wants to do that. I don't support romantic no. Melina, yeah. but... <laughs> I, and I, I think that you could keep everything else in the books the same and just have them be that platonic, you know, like, transcendent relationship, and it would still work. Yeah. And that would free her... That would free Alina up to explore things with the Darkling, and as we'll see in season two, another love interest will be introduced with Nikolai. And that's honestly where all of the emotional conflict and development for her Wait, character lies. Nikolai's, Nikolai's a, a romantic possibility for Alina? Kind of. They, so Nikolai is the bastard heir to the throne of Ravka. Um, he's not the crown prince, um, but things will happen and he needs a queen. Um, he's like a, he's a very good politician. He's a very good speaker and he knows that he needs like a queen who is strong and like would be good for the population and it would be really, yeah, no, it's, it's a political (laughs) marriage of convenience. Um, he knows that like this powerful Grisha queen who's also a saint, would be such a good symbol. And, like, they do have really good chemistry. If they had gotten married, they would have been very happy together. He would have allowed her Mm. to be with Mal. He was like, you know, we don't have to be that romantic relationship. We don't have to be that kind of couple if that's not what you want. Like, he is so accepting and understanding. I love Nikolai so much. Um, It just, that's such an interesting story for Alina and unfortunately, since Mal is always in the picture, I don't think it ever gets the the proper development that she could get from that kind of relationship. Okay. Maybe in the, in the show. Maybe in the show. I, I'm interested. I do wonder, so like his real love interest is Zoya. And I do wonder if they'll play more into it because you don't really ever see it until like the final two books with them, and it's good. Like I, I ship that ship. I, it's <laughs> Zoya's ending is spectacular, um, but like that—that's what I would like to see. I, I want to okay. see what that's gonna, what's gonna happen there. 
Interesting. <laughs> That's the thing. It's so weird because, like, Leah's created this amazing world. It's so fun to play in. She does have these really great characters. It's just that her stories have these weird hang-ups. Like, she yeah, just... she's trying to teach a lesson. She's always trying to teach a lesson. If she wasn't trying to teach a lesson, these would be, like, the end-all, be-all, like, of storytelling. But, unfortunately... There's always got to be something. Yeah. All right. So I think with that, we are ready to finally talk a little bit about the Bad Batch to send y'all off to get you ready for May the 4th. And we're pretty sure that it's not going to be the only thing dropping May the 4th. Um, We talked about this a little bit um, with some friends the other night that some things might be coming. Um, But we do have the Bad Batch show coming. And what did you think about watching these episodes again? Um, they're fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meh. Yeah. Like, they're fine. They are mostly... It's it's about Rex and Echo. It's not about the Bad Batch, these episodes. Mm -hmm. It is introducing them, which is nice, and it's mostly just telling the story of how Echo becomes part of the Bad Batch. Um, But for the most part, we haven't really seen a whole lot of them yet, and we were kind of talking to each other, like, what we want to see is that kind of angst, digging deep, Order 66 kind of stuff with them. Not sure if that's going to happen, but that is what we're kind of looking forward to. Yeah. I, my favorite part of the Star Wars timeline is post-66. Mm-hmm. I love the Cal Kestis timeline. <sighs> It's so good. There's so much angst wrapped into it. Yeah. Like, hiding Jedis. Like, you, like, have to, like, hide to survive. Mm -hmm. I live for it. And I'm looking forward to Kenobi very much. Because it also lives in that timeline. Um, Inquisitors are always a highlight. Inquisitors are amazing. Love to see an Inquisitor in the Bad Batch. I would, yes. I would love to see that. I just, like... You always know that that angst is coming and you know exactly how it's going to hurt you and it's great. And th- there's something about, you know, the time between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope where you know that things are dark and things are bad, but because A New Hope is coming, like, you know that things are going to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, you can hurt us a thousand times within that timeline because things are always going to get better. Yeah, there's something really intriguing about everyone kind of working in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, Caspian's like, going to be kind of showing that as well. Like, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. But what we're really here for is who is the best Bad Batch member? And when we were talking earlier... Are we talking about the best boyfriend? Like, the be- best Bad Batch boyfriend? Uh, yes. Who is the best, the best bad boy... B- boyfriend bad boy? the, the best bad boy batch yes <laughs> bad bad batch boy 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 toy bad boy batch because we talked about this before we love tech okay our yeah our favorite is tech yeah he's a, he's smart and he probably reads yeah and ha- that's why we like him yeah. however because we like readers right um but however we're, we're we came to a conclusion. Um, we gave each of the Bad Batch members hobbies that we think that they do. Yes. And we've actually decided we think Hunter is the reader. Yep. Hunter likes to read, guys. He is the Jess Mariano of the Bad Batch. 
I okay, so here here's the difference. I just I just thought about this. So tech reads nonfiction. Ooh. And Hunter You're right. Hunter he reads, reads fiction. fiction. He, he reads, reads fiction. romance. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like like tech is like he he's um you know circling back to Shadow and Bone. He's like a David. You know, he's very smart. He doesn't notice when women are into him kind of thing. But Hunter reads that fiction. He reads that romance. Like he it's I I like that. I mean, he's smart. He's like smart. you like he's like very like literary smart and like you wouldn't know that. Yeah. From first knowing him, but then like he's one of those people who you get to know better and you're like, "Wow, like it's really thoughtful." <laughs> <laughs> We're just projecting Jess Mariano onto him. onto Hunter. <laughs> well, we came to the conclusion that Hunter and Tech are are like Jess split in half. Yeah. Like if you bring them both together. The bad boy, the bad boy essence of Jess is in Hunter. Yes. But the like nerdy, like geekiness of him is in Tech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that also leads us to um, Wrecker. Um, okay. So what is Wrecker's hobby? Wrecker's hobby is painting miniatures. Yes. So like the little figurines. Yes. Little, um, little tiny unicorns. And I came to this because I was thinking about um, one of the thugs in Tangled who collects the little, like the little, um, the little unicorns, the ceramic unicorns. And I think he's a lot like him. So I think that he uses his big hands to be really meticulous about things. Yes. And like... You know, if we're talking about a himbo, I mean, it's Wrecker. It's Wrecker, yeah. Wrecker's the himbo, um, which means that he is our one and only Logan Huntsberger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, like, when I was watching again... Life and Death Brigade. Yeah, I I did pay a lot more attention to Wrecker, because he is very adorable. Like, uh, he wants to blow stuff up, but then at the same time, he's afraid of heights. I think he would be afraid of bugs. Like, if there's, like, a spider in the base, like, he's the one screaming, like, up on a table, like, telling Crosshair to kill mm-hmm. it kind of thing. Um, which I, I like. I like and, this in, and, this energy. And you ship Crosshair and Wrecker. Oh, 100%. Like, are you telling me that you don't ship Crosshair and Wrecker? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just bringing it up because you brought Crosshair up yes, now. Yes. So, yeah, they're a ship. They're 100% a ship. Like, and, uh, and our other ship is... Tech and fanfiction. <laughs> you can thank um, Caitlin Pre- Pleasure of Sky Talkers for that one. <laughs> yeah, the three of us. It's only the three of us in that fandom, in that yeah, shipping fandom. We, There's no one else. We are creating our own content. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Crosshair is probably, like, it, it leaves him being Dean, which I, I, yeah, fine. it's fine. Crosshair is not really my favorite, um, but I do think that his hobby is knitting. Yeah. I do think he knits. Like, I can just see the Bad Batch, you know, ha- having a weekend in. Maybe it's raining. They're all sitting in front of a fire together. We've got Hunter and Tech are reading, and then we've got... You know, uh, Wrecker painting a little unicorn and then Crosshair sitting next to him, knitting him like a sweater. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just great. Yeah. And Echo's (laughs) just, like, crying. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I, listen, guys, Echo has a lot of trauma to deal with. Like, I don't think he has time for a hobby yet. No, I don't think he's discovered. A, see, like that. That's what we talked about. It's just like Soul. He, this whole thing, the whole arc of Bad Batch is going to be them trying to find a hobby for Echo. Yeah. <laughs> And and Omega is twenty two. Yes, from Seoul. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so cute. I, I Echo doesn't have a hobby yet, but like, what if he bakes? He could, but <laughs> he has a lot to work through. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of crying. I mean, you know, you could add tears into your baking. It could be a stress yeah. reliever. You know, he's got mm-hmm. that robot attachment now. I wonder. <gasps> Oh my gosh, it could be the mixer. <laughs> His KitchenAid arm! <laughs> He's got a blender arm. Like, we've talked about, like, Maul's arms and, like... Anakin. Like, yeah, Anakin's arm attachments, like, Maul's attachments. This also came arms, up with Bucky's but, arm. Um. Yeah, but I think Echo's arm does good. It is... Yes. It is PG. Yes, it is a P. It is a PG arm. No, it, it's a KitchenAid mixer. Is what his arm is, which is mm-hmm. it's great. Um, and listen, like this is this is the definitive canon of Bad Batch. Like, I don't. Whatever you heard before about these Bad Batch boys, just forget yeah. it all. Because this Actually, is. I think we're gonna be right. Yeah. When the show comes out, like. <laughs> We're totally going to get Hunter reading. It's going to open with them sitting around a fire and cross-hair And doing knitting. all their hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all going to look at um, Echo crying, and they'll be like, oh, no, our, our new buddy is is so upset and distraught. We must find a way to help him. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to yes. be. And then Finnick yes. will come and, like, hang out with Tech. <laughs> yeah. Aww, oh, babies. we mentioned this too because then that left Hunter alone. So we were like, "Well, maybe Hunter and Echo, and that is a cursed ship." No, no, it's a, that's cursed. It's a cursed no. ship. No, this is what's making me excited for the Bad Batch. Like, I know that like it's gonna be shooty Her bang bangs, things. but I love it, and I'm here for it, and it's gonna be great. Um, I would love to hear um, for any of you lovely listeners out there if you have any headcanons of what their hobbies might be. If for some reason you think that our headcanons are wrong, would love to hear from you. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else you want to add about any of our topics for this episode? No. All right. Well, I think this went rather well for our second go at things. Um, it's been a while since we've had a technical issue, so we were due for one. Um, yeah. Now we'll go a few months without one again and then yeah. have another one. Oh, I'm just, like, having <laughs> I'm having this, like, horrible, like, anxiety of, like, watch that me. it's going to crash right now. That's going to crash right now or, like, something's going to happen. Uh-huh. I'm going to accidentally delete my file. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is the curse. Epi- you know what? Okay. Like, we need a wrap up so it doesn't yeah. happen. You know what cursed this episode? The Echo Huntership. That's what cursed this episode. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we, if you want to keep the conversation going, we would love to hear your thoughts on anything we talked about today. We are pretty much always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.